You know the old saying, defense wins championships. So we break down the defensive prospects heading to the NFL draft with my next guest right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody and we're taking down the field for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Believe in college football legends on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Chris Smith. The NBA is in full swing and college basketball heats up as the teams make their way to the madness. So head to Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The tournament is coming, and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest, as Bet Online is the destination for all your bracketology needs. Look, Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. So it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. There are defenses so legendary, they had their own name. Steel Curtain, Purple People Eaters, Legion of Boom. And some are known for their innovative schemes that maximize their players' talents like Tampa 2 and Chicago's 46 defense. So what college players will add to that legacy and how does their skill set fit? Well, we dive deep into the next wave of defensive superstars and how they translate at the pro level with my special guest on the show, Devin Jackson, digital reporter and content producer for WTAJ News. And he's pumping out the scouting and draft content on Blue Chip Scout, the NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated, and Steelers Depot. Give him a follow on Twitter at... Real D underscore Jackson. Thanks for joining me, Devin. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. I'm very excited to be on on this uh, podcast and uh, ready to talk some uh, NFL draft stuff. Nice. Well, man, you're like the man that never sleeps. So you got a diverse background in sports from USA Swimming, Touchdown Alabama Magazine early in your career. How did you get into evaluating and scouting college football players? So for me, it started a couple of years ago. Um, it was one of those things like I've always watched the NFL draft. I've you know, watch a ton of football in, in my life. And I just wanted to try out like a kind of a new realm. So, you know, with scouting, it's so much different than a lot of the other, you know, kind of sports talk or or just, uh, you know, talking sports in general. I mean, you, you study these players, you watch, you know, four or five games of them and, you know, try to look for these uh, traits that will translate to the NFL. And it, it's just a whole completely different process. So, uh, for me, two years ago, I, I started uh, at a much smaller uh, writing company and then just continued to learn little by little and, you know, pick the brains of some of the best in, in this business and uh, just try to get better every day. And a couple of years later now, I'm still, you know, trying to do that same thing, but, um, you know, just, just taking it day by day and, and learning as much as I can about, you know, what the NFL looks for in these players and, you know, understanding kind of draft history and whatnot. But every day is it's a new challenge, and, uh, you know, I'm excited to, to continue to keep it going. Yeah, well, you're doing a great job. Trust me, read a bunch of your articles, and a lot of your interviews are fantastic. But we're going to start with the NFL draft. It's readily approaching, and the attention now is on the 
College football legends making the leap to the next level. So let's take a look at the defense, the defensive ends, and edge rushers in this class. A pair of hand-in-the-dirt ends for the Hurricanes really intrigued me. You have a player like Gregory Rousseau from Miami that opted out of the 2020 season. Do you think the lack of competition for an entire year will hurt his draft stock? Um, I think ultimately, uh, for, for a lot of these top guys that didn't play this year, I think it's more about kind of uh, obviously going to bet on them in, in terms of their traits and, and what they bring to the table. But for Rousseau, I think it's going to be more about how does he look at his pro day? You know, we haven't seen him uh, in over a year now uh, playing, you know, a down of football. So I think we know that even like even if he played this year, it, it probably there's a good chance that he might not have uh, reproduced the production he had um, in, in 2019. So we know how raw he is as a prospect. He still has a lot to work on and refine in this game. You know, he, he's only played defensive end for, for a handful of years. You know, he's uh, made that transition from, you know, safety to DN. So he, he's still a very athletic, very talented football player. But for, for him, I, I don't think the fact that he didn't play will hurt him. I think it just really depends on testing now because I think a team will, will take a chance on him in the first round. Uh, even though he he did not play uh, in in the fall this past season, but for him, like I said, it's going to be about you know how does he look in those drills and how does he look you know just athletically and and teams will go from there in terms of where they pick him. I still think he's he's a first round prospect at this point. Yeah, and did his absence help fellow Hurricane teammate Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche? Yeah, I think so. Um, th- those two guys really were able to emerge, especially Jalen Phillips, who, um, you know, obviously he came from UCLA and, you know, you do have to worry about kind of, you know, his, his injury history does have quite a bit of concussions and, you know, he, he was on, you know, could have been uh, retired uh, at this point, but he was really able to emerge as one of the all-around. I think he, he's probably the all-around uh, best pass rusher in, in this class in terms of everything he brings to the table. You know, it's not just for him about having the crazy athleticism or, or you know, just able to to get past, you know, the defenders with speed or, or offensive linemen with speed rush or whatnot. He, you know, has counter moves. He's able to defend against the run. Uh, he, he does a little bit of everything, so I think that allowed him to do so. And then, of course, Quincy Roche as well. He uh, was someone that that benefited as well. Uh, you know, came, coming from Temple, you know, he he really didn't have too too much. He he had some buzz as uh, a potential prospect, but really a season uh, with Miami this past year not only uh, helped him, you know, in terms of his draft stock, but he was also able to go down to the senior bowl and, and have a pretty good week there. So those two guys in Miami are, are very talented uh, in Jalen Phillips, as well as Quincy Roche. And uh, both of them should probably be, uh, uh, you know, at, at least day one, day two pick uh, for uh, Roche, I think. But uh, Phillips definitely has the ceiling go uh, round one, but it'll just be about how his medicals turn out. Yeah, well, it sounds like he's an all-around defensive end, like you were saying. And we're speaking with Devin Jackson, who's pumping out the scouting and draft content on the NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated and Blue Chip Scout. And who has the higher ceiling, Quiddy Pay from Michigan or Jason Owe from Penn State? I think it's Jason Owe uh, because we know that Quiddy Pay 
what he's going to bring to the table. He's going to be a, a very solid uh, defensive lineman at the next level. He, he has some versatility playing, you know, five shade, uh, playing, you know, as a hand in the dirt defensive end at the next level. Uh, he, he's shown the ability to, to get out the passer and whatnot. But when it comes to Jason Owe, uh, he is really built in the lab. You know, he has freaky athleticism, uh, quick first step, uses his hands uh, well, almost speed rushes, and is able to disengage. But for him, it's going to be about, you know, gaining some weight, uh, putting some weight on that frame, and uh, just refining his game to, to a whole other level. Because right now, uh, he has maybe one or two moves right now in this, this pass rush arsenal. Uh, you, you would like to see him be a little bit better in defending the run, uh, and, and, and handling against those uh, those bigger, stronger tackles. But uh, in terms of, of ceiling, Owe could be uh, really a, an all-pro type guy if he puts it all together and you get him with a fantastic defensive line coach to, to coach him uh, kind of the position and, and just be a, a more uh, compact, you know, uh, fundamentally sound player. I think that's what he's missing right now. But the the flashes that he shows are definitely show you that he could be, you know, one of those guys that get, gets 12, 13 sacks a season just based off his athleticism. So if he puts it all together, I think Owe has has a bigger ceiling or higher wow. ceiling. Yeah, that's what the uh, NFL front offices are looking for, definitely. And you were talking about the Senior Bowl. Did the Senior Bowl help Jordan Smith from UAB? I think it definitely did. Uh, it showed that he can not only, you know, go against some of the, some of the best offensive linemen uh, in the country, but uh, hang with, you know, that type of talent. Obviously, UAB uh, is in the Conference USA, and it's not exactly a, a hotbed for NFL talent. But for Jordan Smith, he, he showed that he has such a quick first step, uh, uses his hands well uh, at the point of attack, and, you know, just has a relentless motor. And I, I think, you know, having that time down at the Senior Bowl, getting to meet with NFL teams, uh, you know, Performing in front of NFL, yeah, getting his uh, name out there, and, yeah, coaches and scouts. I, I think just from having that experience alone benefited, and then he had a really, really solid week. You know, uh, was able to to beat some of some of those premier, uh, you know, tackles as well. So I, I think for him, you know, it, it's definitely helping in his draft stock. I think probably coming into the Senior Bowl, he's probably uh, a later day three guy, but you know, he, he could. Right now, you could, could probably take him early day three or, or if a team is really liking what they see from him, uh, late round three. So he, he definitely has helped himself out a ton and uh, just showed that he's uh, going to be a guy that, you know, a team could, could add and be kind of that rotational piece in the NFL, but uh, can definitely be product, productive when he's on the field. Yeah, that's how the Senior Bowl can definitely help a lot of players. And you spoke with edge defender Janarius Robinson from Florida State. It's a great article on bluechipscouting.com. Great write-up, by the way. Everyone should check it out. What are your impressions of uh, that edge defender? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for for the shout-out on that article. But, yeah, he's... Very detailed. I loved it. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. But, yeah, uh, for him, he's really kind of like in that that boat that I talked about earlier in terms of raw athleticism. He has a link for days uh, that I think will definitely help benefit him uh, in the NFL. and. He's one of those guys that, you know, he, he played a, a good bit of snaps, but the development really started to come over the last couple of seasons for him. And 
uh, in 2020, he had a really, really solid year. I saw him, you know, going back to his 2019 film, he really struggled shedding blocks and uh, being consistent in terms of gameplay. And he was a little bit more than 2020. But yeah, his story is incredible. Uh, like you said, uh, check it out if you guys have not. Uh, he's gone through some some tough times in his life. And, and he's one of those players that you can put, bring into the locker room and, and you know that they're going to work hard and earn everything that they want want to get. So I think for him, he has that that raw athletic ability and length uh, in, in using his hands. Uh, I think he, down at the senior bowl, he, he really showed that he's more than just a, a bull rush type of edge rusher or, or speed. You know, he was able to, to throw in counters and you could see him get better over the course of the week with NFL coaching. So it just excites you uh, seeing his his uh, flashes on tape and then you translate that to NFL coaching and, and what he looked like down in that week at the Senior Bowl. He took an even uh, a further step. So I think he's going to be a, a really good value pick, I think, in round three, round four uh, as a guy that can come in and, you know, play probably 15, 20 snaps a game. But he, you know, once he taps into that, uh, his ability to use his hands, I think that's going to be the biggest thing for him. You know, if he, he's able to strengthen the, the, the hand strength at the point of attack and, and really control uh, the tackles and get into their chest with this length, I think that's when you'll see him really flourish and, and be uh, a guy that could be a potential star in the NFL. That's fantastic. What a great story. And we have on the show Devin Jackson, scouting and draft analyst for the NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated and Blue Chip Scout. And the cornerback position has some premier players, Alabama's Patrick Sertain, South Carolina's J.C. Horn, and the Hokies' Caleb Farley, just to name a few. Which corner goes first off the board? Uh, in my opinion, I think uh, it will probably be Caleb Farley. And I think it's because, you know, when you when you put – Farley and Sertain next to each other, uh, they are very, very close in terms of talent and what they bring to the table. And, you know, I feel like the theme of this draft is that you have a lot of guys that have only played the, their position for a couple of seasons. And that's the sure. same thing with Caleb Farley. Uh, he, he's played receiver before moving to DB, DB a couple of years ago. The way he moves in and out of his breaks is just so fluid. Uh, he's able to stay attached to the hip of receivers and, and man coverage, makes the play, makes tons of plays on the ball, uh, you know, and, and that click and close ability on the outside as well is is something that uh, teams will really covet uh, in a defensive back. And for certain, he can do some of those same things. But I think what kind of separates them is, is speed. You know, Farley is a little bit quicker, uh, a little bit more agile, I would say, uh, than, than certain. But certain is – uh, very well built, uh, very, uh, you know, technically sound. And, and one of those players that, you know, he doesn't have blazing speed, but when you ask him to, to do anything that you need to in that defense, or Alabama's defense, or uh, when he moves on to NFL, he'll be able to translate it, uh, you know, pretty much hang with anyone. But for me, I think it's Farley simply because he still has some traits that are aren't are untapped uh, and, and he's still has a, a lot more to grow in that in the position. And he already looks like one of the top defensive backs in this class. Just imagine, you know, him getting NFL, NFL coaching, 
uh, and really getting more experience actually playing the position. So I, I'm I'm a little bit more excited about Farley, which I think is the reason he gets off the board first. But I would not be sur- surprised if Sertain uh, got got picked first as well. Yeah, and they're always looking for size. J.C. Horn is six one two zero five. Eric Stokes out of Georgia is six one one eighty five. Is it that combination of side and speed that put these players at the top? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you can. The thing is, like, there's so many solid corners in this class, but there are very few guys that match that size and speed kind of threshold that makes them a first round caliber guy. So, you know, you got somebody like J.C. Horn, like you said, Eric Stokes, that you know, have those athletic abilities and, and has that speed. But, you know, other guys like, you know, someone like uh, Greg Newsom, he's not really predicated on speed. He's about technique and about physicality. So I think you're it, it really depending on what you want in a DB or, or what you find is, is successful for you. Obviously, there are so many 4-3, 4-4 guys. In the NFL, so obviously you want your DB at least running uh, a sub 4-4 four, four or 4-5. Four, but I think just based on what we've seen in, in this class, there's, there's a good bit of guys that probably can hit that 4-4 four, four threshold. You know, uh, with J.C. Horn, he is going to be the interesting DB of this class because he can go anywhere probably from, you know, early teens to, to late 20s, depending on, what a team needs and and what they what they're looking for in their next franchise corner potentially. Yeah, that's so, what I was going to say. Who who do you think is going to sneak into that first round, or or do you think that are day two steals? Well, for me, um, I'm a big Greg Newsom guy. I I love Greg Newsom out of Northwestern, the DB out of Northwestern. I think you know his technique, the way he flips his hips, click and close ability. Uh, he has kind of that whole package to. He could be a CB1, but I, I, I imagine him being uh, on a playoff level team as a CB2 and then kind of transitioning to a CB1 role over the course of his career. I think, you know, uh, landing spots like, say, like Buffalo Bills at the end of round one or, uh, you know, the Green Bay Packers at end of round one. I think some a team like that could use Newsom's ability to uh, really cover really well, especially in zone coverage. Uh, he's he's not a, a great um, you know press man corner, but in terms of off man uh, zone coverage, uh, I think you know in that kind of range, I don't think there's anyone better, uh, in my opinion. Uh, you also got Ifitu uh, uh, Melafamu from Syracuse. He's gotten a lot of buzz as well uh, in terms of uh, his physicality, his ability to to click and close uh, man man defense is a little bit better than Newsom's. Uh, so I, I would think those two guys are, are probably those guys that can sneak at the end of sneak in at the at the end of round one uh, in those late that late twenty area. But I think for sure we're seeing um, J.C. Horn, Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertan go within the first 15, 16 picks. Well, it looks like some quality corners to keep an eye on. And we are speaking with Devin Jackson. He's pumping out the scouting and draft content on Blue Chip Scout, the NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated, and Steelers Depot. And how about the safety position? Is this one of the weaker groups in this year's draft? I think uh, in terms of top-end talent, it is. Uh, not necessarily depth. They have a lot of guys that go can go round two or day two, day three. But there's just not a lot of guys that you would pick round one or, or even in the top 30, 40 picks uh, to some degree. You know, you got Trayvon Merrick, 
school uh, is is the class of the safety class uh, right now in, in terms of its range athletic. Yeah, the ability. TCU TCU kid. Yeah, yep, yeah, the t- TCU safety. He's really really good. Uh, but someone that really made a name for themselves down, down at the Senior Bowl is UCF safety Richie Grant. Uh, he's someone that you know came into the Senior Bowls. You know there there are a few guys, a few top um, you know NFL uh, draft guys that had him as a potential top fifty pick. Uh, but you know down at the Senior Bowl, he really solidified that he he, he could very well go top fifty and, and be one of those guys. Uh, early in round two that goes off the board and, and brings great value to NFL team. Because we, we see for safeties, you know, you get the best value out of them, you know, late in round one, round two. We saw that the Tampa Bay Bucks waited to, you know, almost mid round two to pick Antoine Winfield Jr. And he's been a, a great, terrific uh, addition to their defense. So Definitely. I can see I can see Richie Grant doing that same type of thing, uh, going to a, a team that's may not be playoff bound right now, but kind of have that talent to do so and, and come in and immediately make an impact. So those are a couple guys I think are, are stand at the top in terms of the safety class and, and what they bring to the table. There's some other later later uh, end guys. You know, you, you got uh, Tyree Gillespie, uh from Missouri who uh, shows great, great range. Uh, could someone, someone that could come down, make those uh, tackles from depth, he had a, a fantastic play earlier this season against Alabama where he traveled across the field to uh, stop Jalen Waddle, uh, you know, for a two, three yard game. He came from all the way to the other side of the field from depth. So he's very talented. You got James Wiggins from Cincinnati is another name uh, that probably goes day two or day three. Um, and, you know, he's, he's more of a box safety role, but he has kind of, you know, a, a little bit of a versatile skill set. So there's going to be, depending on what a team is looking for, if you're looking for a guy that's going to play uh, kind of midfield, uh, you know, kind of that uh, back-end guy that that can play single high, or you're going to be looking at a lot of safeties that have a versatile role in terms of what they bring to the table, uh, you know, being in the box, you know, being in the slot and whatnot. So I think for the safety class, you're going to see a lot more probably go starting later in round two. Uh, and, but uh, in terms of top end talent, they they definitely lack in, in terms of the other positions and and it's a draft class. Sounds like some of those players will be waiting till day two or day three, but uh, teams can definitely find a gem in that safety class. And in a tweet, I saw a list of players you were rooting for in the draft. You said Greg Newsom. You mentioned him before, the defensive back out of Northwestern. Jonathan Cooper, D lineman from Ohio State, and Brian Mills, DB out of North Carolina Central. It's a fun school, by the way. Who in that group stands out? Um, for me, uh, I think uh, two guys uh, in particular stand out, uh, one being Austin Watkins, the receiver out of UAB, another guy down at the Senior Bowl. Uh, but for him, you know, a lot of people look at him and see he's the cousin of Sammy Watkins, but they play a much different game. You know, they are both, they're not the same player. And for Watkins, he has a little bit more versatility in terms of alignment. You know, he played mainly X at UAB, but down at the senior bowl, he showed some ability to run routes from the slot to get open, use his physicality, uh, kind of use his body size uh, to, to go up and make those contested catches over the middle as well as, uh, you know, out on the perimeter. So I think he's someone that probably goes round four, round five, uh, not necessarily going to be 
the top end of this receiver class just because there's so many guys that, that bring so many different skill sets. But if you're looking for a guy that you can just throw in from day one uh, that can play whatever position you ask him, him, him to, I think he's, he's that guy that uh, you bring in and, and can be immediate contributor from, from the start. And then the second guy is uh, Jonathan Cooper, who you just mentioned, the defensive lineman from Ohio State. Uh, former five-star recruit that really had some injury history problems while he was at Ohio State. Uh, he had a high ankle sprain uh, that required surgery in his 2019 season when many expected him to kind of break out and, and come out on the scene, only limit him to four games. So he was already a senior and decided to come back uh, off a of medical red shirt. So, uh, you know, he played this season and he played phenomenally. You know, he's one of the best defensive linemen on Ohio State this past year. Uh, I believe he got to five and a half sacks. Uh, really made an impact in the championship game. I actually got to kind of sit down and do an interview with him. I've been kind of releasing uh, clips over the last week or so. But uh, he's someone with a, an, another guy with a unique story as well. You know, he almost didn't play football starting at the, the age of 14. Wow. Um, uh, due to uh, he had a hard uh, arrhythmia um, issues that uh, he had to make a decision whether or not he could uh, continue to play sports by having a pacemaker in his heart or not. Uh, he elected for two surgeries uh, that were 11 and eight hours long, uh, respectively. And uh, then after that, he was good. And, and, you know, now he's at the point where he's on the verge of getting drafted. So uh, he was another guy that, you know, once you learn his story, you understand kind of what he had to go through to get to this point. And, and that's, you know, in, in general, that's the, the best part of this process. You learn a lot about these guys that, you know, you see them on the field, you see the production, you see, you know, their their athletic ability, but uh, their mental makeup and, and what they, you know, have gone through or dealt with, I think is always the most impressive part because, there's always two sides to, to it. You, you see the football side, but the human element, I think, is the most important part. So I try to bring that. Uh, so uh, if you guys want to check it out, it'll be uh, my first one for Sports Illustrated, uh, or the NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated. So super excited about that. Oh, definitely. You got to check out all the content you're pumping out. Blue Chip Scout, the NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated, like you said, and Steelers Depot. You can give them a follow on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. We're speaking with Devin Jackson right now, and you mentioned one of the small school wideout Austin Watkins from UAB. There's also quarterback Brady Davis out of Illinois State and lineman David Moore from Grambling State. Who has the most potential? I think uh, just based on, uh, you know, kind of position valuableness and uh, just the fact that the quarterback position is so difficult to to kind of to break through and, and be kind of a star in the league, I think for it's going to be David Moore out of Grambling State. I love Brady Davis and what he brings to the table. Uh, you know, he has a terrific arm, someone that uh, can make throws off platform. But in terms of uh, NFL future and, and being able to play, you know, within the next two years, I think uh, David Moore has uh, that advantage. And, you know, you look at his game, you know, he, he's incredibly strong in his upper body. And incredibly mobile for his size as well. Uh, you know, played both guard and center down at the Senior Bowl. He really excelled at at center. So I think he showed NFL teams like I'm not just an NFL guard. You know, I'm I can be a center as well. And I think that's exciting for a guy like him. Uh, he has insane arm length. 
uh, for for his size as well. Oh, they're Middle always looking for that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, six two. I think he's only six two or six three. Uh, but he he shows great strength at the point of attack. Uh, you just worry about him uh, lunging at times and uh, kind of being out of position. But I think that was part of the rust of, of not playing uh, in the fall for him. But I think he's going to be one of those uh, value guys round three, round four uh, that you bring in, uh, develop a little bit, but can kind of play him really at any of the interior spots. So I think having that ability, I think will, will bowl well for him, you know, whether he uh, ends up being a starter or, or someone as a reserve, he, he definitely has a place in this league and uh, super excited to see his landing spot and, and how teams view him. Yeah. And it always comes down to coaching as well. And in your offensive skill positions, who would be your top picks at quarterback, wide receiver, and running back? We'll give Trevor Lawrence the pass as the most likely uh, number one overall pick. Who's your quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence, your first-tier wide receiver, and first-tier running back? Uh, for me, uh, the quarterback after Trevor Lawrence is just in fields. I, I know how talented Zach Wilson is, uh, as well as Trey Lance. They're both extremely talented. A quarterback that would go with, uh, probably within the first six, seven picks at, at the very least. Um, but for me, I think it's Fields because he has a combination of, uh, you know, arm strength, mobility, uh, ability to, to read defenses, despite a, 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 what a lot of people say. He goes through his progressions. Uh, and and he's, he's a pretty accurate quarterback as well. I think that's an underrated part of his game. You know, he, he's accurate getting the ball out on time. Uh, as well as seeing his, his guys in the numbers. So uh, that's what kind of stands out to me for him. So he's my QB2. Uh, in terms of running backs, uh, first-tier running backs, I think, uh, would be uh, have to be uh, Najee Harris, um, Javante Williams, Travis Etienne, uh, or, or probably the first three guys that and how I would rank them. Uh, and then kind of rounding out uh, the top five, I'll put Kenneth Gainwell in there as well. And then uh, rounding it out, uh, I think uh, I will probably put Michael Carter. Um, and, and that's because he's someone that I think, you know, really hasn't been talked about a ton in this draft process. A lot of the hype goes to uh, his running mate at North Carolina, Javante Williams, because he makes such, you know, splash plays. He, he makes the big 30-yard runs, runs over guys. But Michael Carter is one of those guys that, that comes in, just does his job, and, and really have no complaints. So I, that will be the first-tier guys for me in terms of running back. And then you go over to the receiver position. Uh, this one has been hotly debated, really, really across draft Twitter. But for me, uh, in, in no particular order just yet, I'm, I'm still working on stacking the receivers. But I think the first tier, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, are uh, these three guys, uh, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith. I think they're in the tier of their own because they're going to be, in my opinion, the first three off the board. But then the next couple guys are going to be interesting. You've got Rashad Bateman in the mix, Terrace Marshall from LSU, uh, Kadarius Toney from Florida, uh, Rondell Moore as well from Purdue. So those guys will be in kind of that next tier in terms of uh, what they bring to the table, their skill set, speed, athleticism. But those first three guys, I think, for the receiver position have to be uh, Chase, Smith, and Waddle. I think those are the undisputed top three receivers in this class. I love it. Looking forward definitely to the NFL draft, and we're definitely going to have you back on. All right, it's time to go. Y'all ready for this? Three and out. 
It's time to go three and out with Devin Jackson. Three-letter questions to close out the interview. First off, I know you grow up watching greats like Stuart Scott and SVP. If you could do a show with one past or present anchor, who would it be? I think it would definitely have to be Stuart Scott. Um, just It just seems like he made everyone's job so much easier just being himself. You know, you have someone that, you know, is so passionate about what he's talking about, but you know, also so true to himself, you know, it kind of inspires you to be that same way, you know, uh, you know, reading his book, watching, going up, watching him. I absolutely love uh, what Stuart Scott brings to the table and uh, to, to host a show with him would, would truly be an honor. You know, it, it would be awesome. Cooler than the other side of the pillow. And let's talk about your alma mater, Linwood University. Has there been or will there ever be a player drafted from the Lions? There has been actually. Uh, Pierre Desir was uh, drafted, I think, four, uh, I think five, six years ago now. Uh, but we, we do have one guy in that sense. That's right. Your alma mater would be proud. Desir was the first team All MIAA and Division II All American, and he won the Cliff Harris Award honoring the nation's top small college defensive player. He was drafted by the Cleveland Browns in the fourth round of the 2014 draft. He also played for the Chargers, Seahawks, Colts, and Jets. And finally, I'm a foodie, and you went to school in Mizzou, interned in New Orleans, lived in Georgia, and now work in upstate Pennsylvania. If you had to be in just one of those places, which is the best food, and where are we getting it? Uh, I have to say New Orleans. I have a heavy bias against seafood. Um, and for me... Uh, Daisy Dukes that, for a little jambalaya? That's one of my favorites. Yeah, that would be definitely in the mix. Um, beignets would be in the mix as well. Oh. Um, I, I love beignets. Um, really, there's so many places there. Uh, honestly, uh, being biased, I probably just want a home-cooked meal. I got family down in New Orleans, so uh, I'd probably vouch for a home-cooked meal and some gumbo. Oh, my favorite place to eat. I'm sure you can't get that in upstate Pennsylvania. I'm very sorry about that. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's sad, but, you know. <laughs> I, I, I'll strive to. All right. We've been speaking with Devin Jackson, digital reporter and content producer for WTAJ News, and he's pumping out the scouting and draft content on Blue Chip Scout, the NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated and Steelers Depot. Give him a follow. Great content, like I said, on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. Thanks for joining me, Devin. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is great, and uh, definitely looking forward to uh, coming on at some point again. Thanks for listening to the Believe in College Football Legends podcast. Make sure to check out all the prior episodes with Heisman winners, legendary coaches, and sports personalities reliving the greatest plays. You can tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus and join us next week because it will be legendary.